Hello and welcome to a new episode of Behind the Scenes of Happiness. I'm your host, Christoph Spiesens. Today I chat with Daniel Bruce Levin, visionary, mentor, speaker and the author of the paradigm-challenging new book, The Mosaic. Daniel had thought he lived life purposefully, but it wasn't until he wrote The Mosaic that his purpose found him. In this podcast, I talk with Daniel about The Mosaic and how we can benefit from it in life and business. Enjoy. Good morning, California. Daniel, good. how are you? Good morning, Manchester. I love you. How are you? Good, good. I believe there is about what, six or seven hours between us. It's so good to talk. I've been really looking forward to this particular conversation, Daniel. And may I start with a massive congratulations on the release of your new book, The Mosaic. And of course, we're going to use The Mosaic as a baseline for the rest of the podcast today. But at a quick glance, 34 five-star reviews on Amazon already. My goodness. Yes. Well, well thank you. It, you know, I never know when, you, when I put something out there, I never know how it's going to be received. But the beauty for me in writing this book is that I would write it, Christoph, and it would erase it. And it, what I thought would take two or three months to do, because I thought I've got a cl pretty clear picture of what I want to say here, was totally annihilated by, as I met these characters that are in the book, they became alive. And they started to say to me, what you're writing about me is not what I want to say. So either you write and we'll erase it, or you just listen to us. Wow. And that process of listening to them took a lot longer than I thought it would take. <laughs> I wanted to believe I was an open guy, but I, I really always kept writing what I wanted them to say. And they kept somehow making it disappear. And so there's something beautiful in a project, any project, whether that be a business, a book, a relationship, when we actually communicate to it and ask it to tell us what it wants. And it's really, it's really a reflection because when I read it back now, I, I hear the space between the words speak, not just the words. And in that space between the words, there's so much vitality and richness and, and things for me to learn about that I understand why it was, it was written through me, not by me. So it almost sounds like there was some kind of spiritual delay mechanism happening as you were writing. Uh, a, that's a beautiful way of saying I was completely frustrated. It took forever. I was like, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? I was upset. You can ask my wife. I would, I would wake up at three in the morning just like with on fire hmm. just to hear what this was saying to me and, and, and the frustration of not being able to get it, not being able to write it the way it was coming through me. And I don't mean to say it's, it's, it's a, more important because it was something came through me when i was at hay house which was a, is a big publishing company here in in america and i helped mm -hmm. them grow from from three million to a hundred million dollars what i saw in the authors was they didn't write the book that they knew they wrote the book they most needed to learn and that's certainly the case with the mosaic mm -hmm. i didn't this was not something that i knew i was i was one step away from going off to the Himalayas and sitting in a cave for the rest of my life and meditating. 
And so the thought for me to write a book on connection to, to, uh, to self-source purpose and others is blows mm -hmm. my mind. And please share a little bit more about the story with our audience, with our listeners, without giving away, of course, everything. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it, it's, it's a fable. It's a simple little story about a boy who loses his parents two years apart on the same day. And when he asks the adults, where, where'd my parents go? The adults tell him, your parents are in a place called heaven. So without missing a beat, he didn't silo himself in his own pain. Without missing a beat, he, he put a few things in a bag and just set out on the road to find the place called heaven because he didn't know it was a place that he couldn't find. He, he knew it was a place that he could find. Mm -hmm. And as he was walking, he met these different characters and they weren't the classic archetypes of people you would imagine would bring you to heaven. They were a trash man and a gardener and a juice man and a waitress and a, and a flower girl and a, a street artist. Mm -hmm. And he thought, what in the heck am I meeting these people for? These just seem like common, ordinary people. But when he, sat, when he sat with them and realized, well, I'm here with them, why don't I just sit and listen to what they say? When he sat with them and listened to what they said to him, he realized the person he saw initially was not at all the person he was with now. He realized every single person has a story and a voice and a message and a beauty to them that, that is almost invisible to the, to the naked eye. Mm -hmm. until you take the time to listen to them. And when he listened to them and he realized that what he saw was not what is, it was just what he saw. And he saw that over and over and over again. He finally met a monk who unzipped the sky and walked him through to a parallel reality where he met the wise one who was the keeper of the mosaic. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I'll pause so that people who can read the book who want to read the book will get a chance to read it and see the magnificent story. But the story is so rich mm. and so simple and so obvious and so hidden. And in a book that speaks a message of seeing what you don't see, it seems only fitting that it in and of itself would only hint at things that it wants you to discover later down the line. So even now, I wrote this book. It was written through me. I spent three years doing it. Mm -hmm. But even now, as I read its pages, I see things I never even knew before. So the mosaic keeps on unfolding, even for you, the, the writer or the, the channeler of, of the content of the book. One billion percent. For me, it's become a living, breathing reality. And part of what I said earlier is I want to really, I really want to highlight this point for people. Because most of us live our lives speaking to life, but not listening back to it. We go to church and we pray speaking, but we don't listen. We go to our work and we say, this is what we think, but we don't really listen so much to what's really trying to happen. Everything in life, the mosaic is showing me is a, life itself is a living, breathing reality. And everything in it wants to communicate to us if we would listen to it. And if we listened, it would make things so much easier because it's telling us its ways. It wants to share. It doesn't have, it has no desire for us to struggle through our life. The only reason we struggle is because we don't listen to what we're being asked to do because we don't even know we're being asked to do something because we're talking all the time similar to what I'm doing here.
<laughs> yeah, that's pure, that's pure passion, and it's a delight to listen to you, Danny. I'm sure our listeners won't mind. But you, you, you do make a valid point. I'm linking this to my line of work, and I know you do a lot of this work as well. You work for big corporations. You take this material into businesses. You're all about connection, so am I. But knowing when to stop speaking and start listening to people is a big challenge in a very busy world of business and, and constant, you know, non-stopness. Um, so how, how can we slow down as leaders or if one is in a leadership position like a line manager or, or a CEO or whatever, how can you slow down and give the platform to the other members on the team? Uh, great question. And I think once we discover that, everything in our life changes. When, for me, and, and please don't think that I'm there because you can see I talk a lot, okay? <laughs> for a guy who gives a message of listening, I talk a lot. You're the so, guest. You're allowed. <laughs> this is your time to shine. Go. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but when we realize that the world is a living, breathing reality. Would we ever go into a relationship with anyone and just talk at them the whole time? Or would we want to just communicate with them and listen for the ways they communicate and find the way that we can connect to them? Hmm. Connection is not about talking. Connection is about listening. And sure, in order to keep the connection going, it's like a circle of energy. We listen, and, but we listen not thinking about what we're going to say next. We listen to hear those little jewels that we might never have heard. Mm -hmm. In a world where everything is possible, the only thing that keeps us from doing the impossible is we don't see a way yet to make it possible. It's in listening to people of unlike mind. It's in talking with people who see the same world that we see differently. That we get the opportunity to see differently. And in that opportunity, we don't have to agree with everything they're saying. We don't have to agree with anything they're saying. But there might just be something in what they say that will show us that place that we don't see and that will allow us to see what we see differently, which might just allow us to make the impossible possible. Mm, that makes sense? It does, and beautifully put. It's about those little gems of wisdom that come our way if only we allow it to come our way because we, it just adds to, to the mosaic. Yes. And if we show up with a willingness to be open to extra input, whatever the situation, whatever the content, whatever the, uh, the scenario might be, business meeting, project, whatever, um, even discussing a social gathering, whatever, you, we might see so much more opportunity, so much more stuff that we didn't see with the blindfolds on and not blindfolds because we were stubborn, but just blindfolds because we, we operate from a certain angle of, of doing things. hundred mm. percent. If we would go into our relationships, if we would go into our businesses, if we would go into our spiritual life, mm. if we would go into any relationship we have, 
not with the thought that we've been taught of what can I give to this relationship? Beautiful thought. I mean, how beautiful is it to walk into a place and think, what can I give to this place to enrich it? I would like to invite your listeners to participate with me in my own experiment. Instead of walking in thinking, what can I give? What, ask, what am I here to receive? What am I here to listen to that I've never heard before? It changes the way we approach anything, changes the quality of the experience we approach. So if we walk in thinking that we're going to contribute and give something to the world because of our knowledge or our greatness or because that's just what our purpose is, our purpose is just to give. And we're all givers. We love to give. But I find an interesting paradox. Givers don't know how to receive. And I think part of that is because in giving, we don't, we're not vulnerable. And we don't like to be vulnerable for the most part. When someone gives to us, we allow them to enter us. And we say, I need your help. I want your help. I, I'm really looking for your insights. I'm really looking for your point of view. Mm-hmm. And that allows me to be vulnerable and say, I don't know everything. I don't know that. I don't know it all. And as much as we would laugh and say, oh, Karsk, I don't know it all. We do believe we know it all. I think that's... Um a very refreshing approach and angle for the vast majority of our listeners who will fall under the category of, and that's a poor word choice, but helpers, people who are facilitators of learning um, because they slash we often go in to give. And that's what we, that's what we do. That's what we enjoy doing. But if you don't, manage that carefully there that that can create its own negative dynamic either we start feeling too big for our boots or we become too confident or we the opposite side of the scale is imposter syndrome who do we think we are if you focus too much on the giving aspect but if you like you suggested if you go into that situation from a what's in it for me but obviously not from a gimme, gimme, gimme angle, but from a, what can I learn from this person? What can I learn from this energy? Then the experience becomes so much more two-way, therefore the energy can even out and the communication channel, verbal and non-verbal, increases exponentially. And it can make the difference between going in as a rescuer, which is very detrimental if it's not positioned carefully, and going in as a fellow human being. Yes, yes. If if I think about my life, Mm. from the moment I could hear, I was given the message, it's better to give than to receive. If you think about it, even even in the saints of of Christianity, St. Francis said it's in giving that we receive. So we learn this message of give, 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 because to receive is selfish, mm. <laughs> right? It, it's like, how can we contribute? Like even John F. Kennedy said, it's, it's, it's not what your country can do for you. It's what you can do for your country, right? I mean, and we're quoted these beautiful sayings that seem so beautiful and seem so um, appropriate. And, and they are. Like who in the world would say it's not a good thing to give to other people? It's, it's absolutely the most beautiful thing in the world. But that's the mind hack that I want to do. Hmm. 
That's the place that I want to ask people to start to look at what we believe because the, in a mosaic, there's connection and everything is giving and receiving at the same time. Giving is beautiful if we can continue the flow by receiving. It's like a circle of energy. You give to me, I receive it, I give back to you, and you receive it, and the circle of energy keeps going. Mm. But if I'm only giving and I don't receive from you, then the circle of energy stops. And that receiving is another spiritual delay mechanism. Yes. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. First of all, I want to thank you for this conversation because something you're pulling something out of me that I've wanted to say that I haven't been able to say. And I feel like it's coming across very clearly. And so I really want to uh, acknowledge you for the greatness of who you are and the beauty of what you do in the way you just hold the space for the right thing to come out. Thank you're very you. welcome and thank you for sharing it. I really do appreciate it. But here's, here's the thing. Here's why this happens, I think. The entire, not just mindset, but my heart set around the podcast series is to give other people an opportunity to share their work with my network and with the wider world. It's very easy to start doing podcasts as, and I'm not saying that it's not part marketing tool, of course, but it's win-win. And it's the win-win energy that almost every guest picks up on. Um, because it was actually born, let, let me um, expand on this for, for just a few moments, if I may. It was actually born, my, 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 world, my work is, my world better is, is one of extremes. Either I'm working with large groups of people and there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of attention coming my way for all the right reasons because I'm facilitating a, a group discussion, for example, or my world is very lonely in that I work from home a lot of the time creating new content. And this podcast was born from my loneliness because I was missing deep quality conversations with people. So I was, I was, I was keen to, to bring back that energy of, of positive conversation and learning um, from each other in, in a way that was refreshing and creative and different. And that's how the podcast series was born. Um, so yeah, that, that's what it is. It's win-win. It's win-win. Beautiful. And I feel like this is a living moment of my book because in my book, Mo Meets the Gardener. Mm -hmm. And if you don't mind me taking a moment and sharing the story. Please do. Uh, Mo's in a different town, but he can already smell the fragrance of this exquisite garden, of this exquisite land where the gardens are just radiant. And it's nighttime and he thinks, should I walk now to that, to that new land? Hmm. Or should I wait and wake up early in the morning and, and go with the morning sun and see the garden and experience it, not just smell it? Because the aroma is so strong, it catches him and he, can't, he almost can't do anything. But he says, no, I'm going to let all my senses experience it together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he stays where he is. And then the morning, the, the crack of, de of, of dawn, he gets up and starts walking and, and, he's, and he walks miles to this village. And when he it comes to this village, he sees the gardens in this village are just the most exquisite gardens he's ever seen. And he, he takes time in each one to just experience it. And, and he's seen lots of gardens. He spent most of his life walking to find this place called heaven. So he's walked through thousands and thousands, millions maybe of gardens. But these gardens had something unbelievably special about it. 
And at one point he comes to the most beautiful garden in the village and he sits and he can't even allow his senses to take it in. So he just sits on a stump and closes his eyes and allows the garden to experience him with his eyes closed and him to experience the garden just without sight, without visual, just to, to interact with each other. Mm. And he feels this presence right in front of him. And he opens his eyes and three inches from his face is another face. And Mo looks at the, the face of the man standing in front of him and says, who are you? And it's the gardener. The gardener says, I know who I am. I'm the gardener of this village. Who are you? And Mo says, I, I am intoxicated with the aroma of your gardens. What is it that you do here? And the gardener said, uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Most people with a good sense of color can know that these colors make these colors more beautiful and you put small flowers in front of bigger flowers. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. They're just, I'm just a gardener. And Mo said, no, no, I've seen millions of gardens. This is the most exquisite garden I've ever seen. And the gardener looks at Mo and he said, have you ever had a garden, Mo? And Mo said, of course, I was a kid, I had a garden. Now I'm just walking, but I don't, I, I don't have a garden, but I remember having one as a kid. And the gardener looked at him and he said, have you ever weeded a garden, Mo? And Mo says, yeah, that was not my favorite part, but I did, I, I, I pulled some weeds. And the gardener said, when you pulled that clump of weeds out, and it broke in your hands, what did you do? And Mo said, well, I, I was just trying to keep the garden pretty. So I, I, didn't take the, I didn't dig it out, I just cut it off at surface so that it, the garden still looked beautiful. And the gardener looked at Mo and said, perhaps that's why you like my garden. He said, Mo, I'm just a gardener. I have nothing else to do, I have nowhere else to go. So when I pull out a clump of weeds, and they break in my hand, I get out my shovel and I dig because I know the roots of these weeds will destroy the garden if I don't get them out. And I dig them out. Most gardens don't do that. Most gardens have the most destructive parts still living deep within where nobody can see them. And in the moment he said that, Mo's insides felt adjusted. So what the gardener said to him, I think the reason why you like my garden is not because of what you see, but what you don't see. Mm -hmm. There are no weeds in these gardens. You, I've been on a lot of podcasts. Mm -hmm. Your answer reminded me of the gardener's answer. Mm -hmm. And it was, but there's something in the, in, we spoke before we got on. And you said you researched it and you went, you went a little bit you know, deeper into the roots of who I am. Mm -hmm. And there's something in that process, there's something in the beauty of who you are as a human being that allows the weed to come out and the garden to just be seen. And I wasn't, I wasn't asked to do a solicitation for you on your work, but I, I'm just doing it because I feel in this moment to say to your listeners, if they're thinking of working with you, stop thinking about it, just do it. Because there's something beautiful in this process that I'm experiencing right here in this moment. Hmm. Thank you, Daniel. Wow, I, <laughs> in a way I'm glad we're not doing this by video because I sit here completely uh, hypnotized. Yeah, that's the word. That's, that's the word. <laughs> 
<laughs> my goodness i know you used to lead hay house but there's storytellers and there's storytellers and then there's you, you... Uh, <laughs> you're a kind man thank you yeah uh, and it's i mean i know i'm not the first person who makes this link to um the alchemist and the celestine prophecy but oh it sits in that in that world in that energy and it's so the the, the ability with which you communicate perhaps more complex spiritual and life wisdom to translate it to to the ordinary man so to speak is is beautiful and it's so effective so thank, thank you for that. thank thank you thank you thank you and even to even to be in the same sentence with celestine prophecy and the alchemist you have no idea what an mm. honor that is for me of course there is no ordinary man right um i hope that the listeners don't misinterpret that wording <laughs> because there yeah. is nothing ordinary about human life but i'm sure they i can be forgiven for that well it's really interesting because sometimes when i'm working with people i'll ask them on a scale of one to ten with one being what you would hate to be and what you would hate your children to be and ten being what you would love to be and love your children to be mm -hmm. where do you put the word ordinary and in 95% of the, time, the cases, people put ordinary at a one or a two. <laughs> and when I ask them on that same scale of one to 10, with one being what you don't want to be and 10 being what you want to be, where do you place the word extraordinary? And they say 15 or 20, we want to be extraordinary. And so I say to them, maybe this is a play of the English language, but it, it, mm. it just makes a little sense. Mm. If ordinary is something you do not want to be, then why do you want to be extra of something you don't want to be? Why do you want to be extraordinary? <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> and, so, and so what the mosaic has shown me mm. is we were never meant to come as superheroes. We were never meant to have our superpowers. We were never meant to live in this world where we inflate ourselves beyond what we can reach. We were never meant to think of ourselves as more than we are. We were meant to be ourselves, which is a beautifully ordinary human being. And if you think about ordinary, a sunrise is ordinary. It happens every day. Winter follows fall and fall follows summer. The nature of nature is ordinary. The sun rises and the evening ends. The evening doesn't try and become the day and the day doesn't try and become the evening. So why do we try to be something more than we are? It just sets into a self-loathing pattern of setting a prerequisite for ourselves that we can never achieve. And so we just hate ourselves and think we're not good enough and think we'll never be able to do it. The beauty of extraordinary is that when you bring extraordinaries together, you create extraordinary situations. We were meant to come together as a mosaic, to work together as a, as a group, to figure things out that we can't figure out alone. As beautiful as our piece of the mosaic is, it's nothing compared to the beauty of the whole artistry of the mosaic. Why would we revel in the beauty of one small broken piece when we can see the totality of the beauty we have together? It's the simplest of concepts. And it's made simple for the simplest of people. Because stripped from our own desire to be superheroes and run around with capes and, and, and masks, we're not, we don't need capes and masks anymore.
We just need to be vulnerable, ordinary human beings that work together to find solutions to problems that should not exist anymore. Really, there's hunger in the world. There's homelessness in the world. There are people that aren't, don't have clean drinking water. There are people that can't get health care. There are people that don't have a proper education. There are people that live thinking that they can steal from others to make their own good, own life better. There are people that think they have to sell their bodies to, have to live a, 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 some sort of quality of life. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me that the color of a person's skin will, makes them different than us? Are you kidding me? Those are problems that should be gone a long time ago. And it's time for us to come together as a mosaic where every color, every shape, every size, every beam is valuable. And that we stand together to help our brothers and sisters and no matter what it is, not by just giving to them, but receiving them into ourselves. When there's no difference between you and me, we rise. And as that part of the mosaic is strengthening and growing and filling in, there seems to be another part of the mosaic that's also gaining in strength, but for reasons perhaps of fear, because the other part is growing so quickly. The positive is growing. The 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 equality is growing. All the you know. Uh, all, all, everything that we stand for, the, the values that we uphold, that is getting so much needed focus that the negative side, which is not the word I wanted to use, but the other side seems to be fighting back twice as hard. And that's what I mean by that part of the mosaic is also filling in. What can you share about that? And, 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 and how do we stop focusing it? Because what we focus on, we give attention to, I suppose. To totally. And so, for everything that I'm saying, these are just my thoughts. If they make sense, keep embrace them. If they don't make sense, for God's sake, put them in the garbage can as soon as you can. Okay. Okay. Let me press the pause button for a second because this is so important. Why would they not make sense to someone? What could be some of the blockers to accepting such beauty in truth? So everything that we hear, we have to resonate with. And if, if it feels good, then hold on to it. If it doesn't, Find your own way of seeing it. But here's what's happening in my mind, in my heart. Here's the world that I look at. And it really comes from another story, if, you, if you'll allow me to do it from the mosaic. Go. It's nice. Mo's walking through the village, through, through the countryside late at night. And in the far distance, he sees the lights of a city. And he thinks, I'd like to get to that city before I go to sleep. I want to see if there's a place where I can find somebody who, can, who I can talk to because I'm a little lonely. And he walks his way all the way to the city. And by the time he gets there, there's only one shop with its light on. Every other shop is closed. And he walks into the shop and it's a shop of mirrors. Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the store of the, of the mirror maker. And he walks in and, and nobody's there. And he's, he looks at these beautiful mirrors and he, and he thinks I should announce myself, but he's not going to buy a mirror. So he says, I'll just let the people do what they're doing who are here. If they, want to come, if they want to come see me, they'll come see me. And he finds this absolutely exquisite mirror. And it's, it's, it's a mirror that's not even made of glass. It's a mirror that seems like it's bronze, but it's so clean that he actually sees a perfect reflection of himself. And while he's, he's enraptured with just the, the sense of this, beauty of this mirror and the frame around it mm -hmm. a woman out of nowhere comes and says how are you 
I noticed you like this mirror. What is it you like about it? And he said, it's the most exquisite. It's not only is the frame exquisite, but the actual mirror itself. I've never seen bronze, something that looks like bronze, be able to reflect back an image so beautifully. And the mirror maker says, what do you see when you look in the mirror, Mo? And Mo pauses for a minute. And she says, let me explain to you. The fact that you've even seen this shop means that you know how to see what you don't see because most people don't see the shop. You've seen us where other people don't even know we exist. So you've learned how to see what you don't see. Now the mirror is asking you to see what you do see. Most people, when they look in the mirror, only see their stories, only see their, 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 the stories they make up about themselves. What do you see? And he said, I'm afraid I see my stories too. And she said, don't be afraid, Mo. Now I want you to drop all your stories and just look in the mirror and tell me what you do see. And as he was about to tell her, she disappeared because it was no longer important that she hear the story. It was important that he hear the story. So why do I share that story now? Because I believe the world that we see outside of us is the world that we see inside of ourselves. And we can't heal. We can't heal a world outside of ourselves until we heal the world that lives within us. And so if I look at the conflict that exists, if I look at the negativity that exists, I don't have to look further than my own life. I see that battle raging within my own heart. I see myself saying, I'm going to do this. And then another part saying, no, you're not. Mm -hmm. I see myself saying, oh, wow, the world is beautiful and sick. And another world saying, another part saying, come on, don't be, don't poly, don't make the world a Pollyanna version of itself. Mm -hmm. Look for the problems. I remember learning in seminary with my, with my teacher and he walked me into the most perfect room I've ever seen. And he said, I want, you have 30 seconds. Show me 10 things that are wrong with this room. And I found them wow. and he was so proud of me, but that messed my life up for the mm -hmm. rest of my life mm -hmm. because now I walk into beautiful places mm -hmm. and I see all the things that are wrong with it mm -hmm. until we walk into a beautiful place and see all the things that are right with it. We'll never learn how to connect. We don't, if you look at a mosaic, most of the pieces, if not all the pieces don't connect side to side. They just connect corner to corner, mm -hmm. which means most of what they believe, most of the things they share in common, they don't share in common. They only share a small piece of what they believe. When we learn to see the world from how do we, how do we find what we both believe rather than put the world down for what we don't believe, for what it believes that we don't believe. If you look at politics in America, we don't listen to each other. We talk over each other because we have to have our silo be right. We're not looking for solutions. We're looking for people to think we're giving the solutions. Who cares? If we go back to what we were saying of what are we here to receive in any conversation, what are we here to receive from the conversation? Mm -hmm. We would be able to understand that the world around us 
is dying to speak to us, but we're just not listening. The answers to the problems we have are right in front of us. We're just not listening to them. Wow. Danny, I wanted an answer, and boy, did I get one. Um, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, and so much more to talk about, and we will talk about these other things again. I know that from the bottom of my heart. So I'm going to wrap up today's conversation, if I may. Absolutely. And I'm going to ask you how, or to share with our listeners, how they can get in touch with you and where they can get the mosaic from. Thank you so much. That's so kind of you. Uh, my website is themosaiconline.com. In there, under the bio part of me, you'll see all my links to social media. I would love for you to connect with me. I would love for your listeners to start dialogue with me, with us, actually. I would love for you, you and me and, and, that, and, and the you and me's that are out there listening mm -hmm. to all start dialogue together because I think there's something very rich in this conversation. Um, and the book is available on my website or it's available on, on Amazon, which is probably the easiest place for most people to get it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's if you just look at the mosaic and just put my name, Danny Levin, if there's or Daniel Levin, if there's uh, any any part of you that can't find that, that will take you right there. Yeah. Um, and what I need to, to share with people mm -hmm. is I shared with them a couple of the stories, but most of what we've talked about is the space between the words. There's a certain magic in this book. And the words, will, the words and the stories will literally touch your heart and soothe your soul. But the spaces in between the words will majestically change your life. If I could end with one thing, mm -hmm. learn how to see what you don't see and learn how to listen to what you can't hear. In that is miracles. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you so much for a beautiful, rich, moving dialogue. You've been a beautiful guest. And I wish you a beautiful rest of the day over there in California. And I'll speak to you again soon. It has been my honor and my pleasure, Christoph. I look forward to more conversations together. Thank you and thank your guests for having me. Thank you very much for listening today. If you would like to learn more about me, please visit christophspeesons.com where you can also find information about my coaching services, but of course also the other podcasts and free meditations. If you're enjoying my podcast series, why not leave a review or a rating on your favorite podcast platform? And if you would like to get in touch with me, please email me at connect at christophspeesons.com. And of course, it would be wonderful if we could also connect on all the major social media. That's it for now. I look forward to connecting with you again on the next episode. Bye for now.